to the Meaningful Marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real life stories. Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Market of Choice is a proud sponsor of the Meaningful Marketplace because we believe in the power of local craft makers to reinvent the way food and beverage products get to market in Oregon. Our vision is to inspire, mentor, support, and support local producers to reach their fullest potential. For over 40 years, Market of Choice has been supporting our local farmers, ranchers, fisher folk, and entrepreneurs. We believe the way we source products has a positive ripple effect across our great state. That's why we are proud to offer over 7,000 local products to our stores and that the majority of our purchases support our robust regional food system. Thank you, Market of Choice. We really appreciate you and your sponsorship of the podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Missoni and Marshall, a meaningful marketplace. Thanks for joining us as we hear the stories of female food entrepreneurs. We're glad you joined us live today. We're honoring our social distancing and each calling in for the show. As we're a live radio show, we think it's important for us to be here with stories of inspiration, hope, and connection for all of our food friends out there. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. Sarah Missoni is off today celebrating her wedding anniversary, so happy anniversary to the Missonis. She'll be back next week. We do have some food news for you. We wanted to announce that one of our fellow uh, women in food and wines, Dana Frank, is opening Bar Norman again in a new pivoted fashion. So previously they were a natural wine bar. They're going to reopen this week as a bottle shop. So you can go there Wednesday through Saturday from 11 to 7. They're located at 2615 Southeast Clinton Street. So go and support uh, this new business that's opening in a new way. It's very exciting. So you can go check out their little shop they're going to have. If you're a food entrepreneur and you have food news for us, message us on Instagram at Missoni and Marshall, and we'll help spread the word about events, new products, and awards. And today I am joined with Laura Ellis. She is the owner of Mount Hope Farms in Malala, Oregon. Mount Hope Farms is a fifth generation farm that, and the makers of low sugar fruit spreads, preserving the flavors of Oregon. Welcome, Laura. <laughs> Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. It's so good to have you. I'm excited you. to help tell everybody about you and your business. We, uh, yeah, we want our listeners to be able to find you on social media. So what is the best way to find you on Instagram and things like that? We're most active on Instagram and our handle is just at Mount Hope Farms and Mount Hope is M-T-H-O-P-E and then just farms. So pretty simple. And that's where we are at on Facebook as well. 
Perfect. Well, I, of, of course, follow you on Instagram and I think it's really nice to um, follow along with what you're doing because you do a really great job of, I feel like I know your family. I feel like I know what a farm day is like for you because you post videos about it and you see, um, you know, you picking the produce and all this stuff. So I think, you, do you run the Instagram yourself? I do. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's me and my husband and we just try to track, um, day-to-day life. And like you said, just kind of share our family and what we do. And people really seem to like that. They like to see what farm life is about, how we grow stuff. They're really interested in the fruit. And um, it's it's actually, it's been really super fun. That's one of the best parts of the business to me is kind of sharing about the farm. Yeah. Well, I think you do a really good job with it. And especially at this time when we're not able to all hang out together, it really does feel like, you know, you're doing these kind of virtual farm tours, showing people what it is that you have going on. So even like just from following you, I know that right now you're harvesting table grapes. And so it's like, I know, I feel like I know what's going on in your life. So it feels like pretty cool to follow around and, and do those things with you virtually. So I think everybody should give you a follow to see what your farm, um, make your life is like, it's really fun. Thank you. We love it. And our kids are getting more and more used to it. And, um, we work with my husband's parents, we farm with them and they're getting more <laughs> used to it too. So I think <laughs> for a little while it was kind of weird with me out there, you know, taking pictures or whatever, yeah. but, um, they, they seem to enjoy it now and know that we're telling our story. That's so good. I love it. We'll keep doing it. Even if sometimes people are weirded out by it, I think it's good. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I brought up that you're, um, you're harvesting table grapes right now and they are my favorite grapes. They're so good. And just to describe, if anybody hasn't had them, they kind of like burst in your mouth a little bit. They're like different than, you know, regular grapes. But I was wondering what you do with those grapes. Do you make fruit spreads with them or do you sell them? What do you do with them? So mostly right now, what we do is we um, harvest them fresh and then we deliver them to stores and new seasons market, um, life source, um, and Barber World Foods are our biggest customers right now. So they're mostly, um, they go from vineyard to store as quickly as possible. Um, I used to do a lot of fruit spreads with them. They're really, really time consuming um, because I was making them out of the whole fruit. I wasn't just using the juice. And they were actually one of the slower movers because grape is one of those that's a little tricky. You have to get people to try it. And once they taste the difference between what we're using and maybe what they've had before, then they're hooked. But just the name grape, it's, it's been a little tricky. So right now um, we're mostly doing from vineyard to store and it's, it's worked really good. They're so, they're so different. You know, they're fresh. They're they're not, um, we don't use like any, uh, synthetics on them, no synthetic chemicals. We're certified organic and we don't use any gases to store them. And they're picked at peak ripeness. We're out there checking the bricks all the time mm-hmm. and picking right when they hit the right amount of sugar content. And we might put them in the cooler for like a day or two, but right after that, they're taken to market by me and my husband. So it's, it's been a lot of work. Yeah. Um, that's my favorite thing that we grow, to be honest. Yeah. Well, I was excited to see that you grew them and, um, and I just didn't know what you were doing with them. So that's great to know that people can go get these grapes that they're seeing you harvest. Um, 
in stores. So New Seasons, Life Source, Barber World Foods, those are the places they can go to get them, right? Yeah. And usually all of those stores do a pretty great job of labeling either the exact farm that they came from or the area. So if you see table grapes there from Malala, they would be yours, right? Right. And we have um, our first round of deliveries for this year is actually tomorrow. Okay. Um, and we deliver them in bulk. So we don't do any plastic packaging. We just take them in 25 pound lugs and then customers can get them from the store. And we have signage up there that says how far um, our farm is from that particular store and a little bit about our story. So hopefully people will recognize us that way. Oh, that's so cool. I love that. Yeah. I love that when people really want to co- connect all of us together because I think it's a piece that sometimes was missing. And I think especially stores are trying to bring it back now so that everybody feels like we're supporting each other through all of this. And so I think that's really great that they are doing that at the stores for you. I wanted to talk about, um, so I had mentioned in your introduction that it says on your website and on your Instagram that you're a fifth generation farm. So I just Mm want to know who, is that your family? Is that your husband's family? Is it the same farm? Can you talk a little bit about that history? Yeah. So um, my husband's family is originally from Oregon. I'm a transplant. I'm from Alaska. So um, we've been on, my husband's family has been on this land for three generations and then farming in Oregon for five. So um, it's funny because they have such deep roots here. They know everybody. They're an old family name. Um, And when my husband and I moved back here, my husband grew up farming with his family on this land. Um, his grandpa actually lived in the house just up the hill. So we're multifamily. Um, he passed away a few years ago, but we're still farming with his parents. Um, it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's been really different. Um, but yeah, third generation on the land. So we're pretty proud of that. It's pretty neat. And where, if just in case people don't know where Malala is, where is it in, in regards to Portland, if we have local listeners? So it's about halfway between Portland and Salem. Um, If you know where Canby, Oregon is, it's about 20 minutes from Canby. Um, Like TMK Creamery, I know you've had them on before. We're just a few miles away from them. Oh, cool. We have lots lots of buddies that are out in that area. I have a friend, Amber, too. She runs the Portland Farmer's Markets, and she has an organic chicken farm out there, too. That's right by there. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of... um, Lots of neat makers, producers. I think like Portland Creamery has their goats out in Malala. And um, yeah, there's lots of farms. It seems like a good space for, um, you know, people who are just kind of getting started in in new adventures to be able to get, you know, some land and do some experimenting a little bit um, and still be close to the city, even if their homes are, are in town. So right. Cool. Yeah. That's- that's how we felt too, is you can grow things out here, but you still have a market to deliver them to. So yeah, that's for been, sure. That's been really nice. Uh, I was uh, checking out your website and I noticed that you have um, really great recipes for what people can do with your jam. And so I saw one in particular that I'm going to try to do. So it was uh, an autumn apple whiskey sour made with your autumn apple fruit spread. And it sounds so yeah. good. Thank you. Yeah. I had someone help me with that recipe and um, I've tried it and it is really, really good. <laughs> That's so cool. Well, and you do a great job of um, having people link easily from your 
Instagram to all of the stuff that you're doing. And I wanted you to talk a little bit about it, if you wouldn't mind. So you use a service called Linktree, and we haven't had anybody talk about that before. So could you tell us if you like it and how it works for you? And Yeah. So um, I think it's been great. It's um, I use the free version, so it's not costing me anything. Yeah. Um, and I'm able to... Uh, it just makes it easier for people to go on there and look and see, I want to see what this recipe is and just click the button and they go straight there. They don't have to go to our website and do a lot of searching. So it's just, it's making it easier for your customer. Um, and you're able to kind of put the most important things on that link tree. It's really easy to set up. You just do, um, an account. I think there is a paid version. I'm not sure what the big benefits of that is. There, there probably are some, I'm just not sure. Um, but it just makes it easier to direct people where you're hoping to get them. Mm -hmm. So, and I think they appreciate that too, especially when they're looking for recipes and such. Yeah. When I saw it on yours, it really inspired me too, because it was so easy to just get right to what you were talking about, where I think like even how our website is set up, we're like, hey, we posted this thing, go to our website. And then people do. And then almost always I get a few people that are like, I couldn't find it. Where is it? I know. You know? And so <laughs> this just seems so much easier. I was like, oh, I should try that out. So I was hoping that you were going to say you liked it because I think I'm going to look into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, we've loved it. And because I'm the same way, you know, if you go to a website, and you're looking for something, I have a short attention span. Yeah. And so if I can't find it, I'm like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> and so this makes it a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I'm going to give it a go and see how it works. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, so we, we want to hear more about your journey and how you got into specifically, um, you know, making the fruit spread. So was it the farming that came first or the jamming or what was that, that journey like for you getting into making a product? So, um, we lived in Eastern Oregon up until 2012 and we decided we wanted to move back and start farming with um, Mike's parents. And at the time we were expecting our first child, our first son. So we moved back, um, Mike started farming with his dad and we kind of knew we wanted to do something a little different um, because they were doing some bigger commodity crops, which we still do like grass seed, radish seed, things like that for cover crops um, and for turf and for selling to bigger companies, selling to bigger companies. So we decided we wanted to get into food, but we weren't quite sure what we wanted to do and how that was going to work. But the goal was, is um, we farm on our own land, but we also rent land as well to do some of the bigger commodity crops. And we really wanted to bring things down to a smaller acreage and we wanted to do it organic if possible. Um, so we decided, well, let's try the first year. We were like, let's do farmer's markets and let's do this huge market garden, right? And so we planted this huge market garden and we're like, we're going to see what works. And um, it was, I think a couple of summers after I'd had our first kid. So first baby, really tired. We were like, you know, let's try this and see how it works. And we already grew all of these great fruits in the family orchard. And, and we knew um, the soil was really good here. We knew things um, could really take off. So we started the market garden and we also did a meat CSA with lamb and pork. And that did really well as well. We went to our first markets and 
I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is exhausting. It's exhausting to get up and harvest so early in the morning, pack everything to market. You know, we've got to leave our kid uh, with his grandparents and they're here at like four in the morning and I just felt so bad for them. And through it all, I was like, you know, I really love cooking and I love canning, but I don't love what goes into those things sometimes, or at least what I had had. I didn't like all of the sugar and all of the corn syrup that could be added. And so I started experimenting with the berries that we grew on the farm. And the first thing that I made was our spiced marionberry fruit spread. And I brought it to market and I had people try it and it was a really big success. And I kept tweaking the recipe and tweaking it. It took, it took like a year. <laughs> and finally we got something that we really liked. And in between, you know, I would pick um, like our Brooks plums and do um, butters and, uh, fruit spreads with those. And I do stuff with our apples. Um, and we really found that we did better when we made a product and brought it to market rather than the fresh produce. Um, it was still a lot of work, but it was something that was shelf stable and we knew exactly what was going into it. We wanted to make it with really low amounts of sugar. We wanted all the ingredients to be, um, as local as possible. And, um, we wanted it to be something that we were really proud to share and that highlighted not only us, but the farms around us and, um, other small businesses, um, like savory spice shop that, um, in Portland and, um, four spirits distillery rum. And we just, we wanted to share other people's stories too. So that's kind of how the whole line of fruit spreads came about. And then when I had my son, he has special needs. And so we decided, you know, we really want to keep going with this and grow good food, something that we can feed him and feed ourselves and feel really good about. And so we planted our table grapes and um, were able to get a higher yield off a smaller acreage with those and keep um, either using them for fresh or uh, which is what we're doing now or with our line of preserved foods. So anyway, it was a big, long journey. We kind of figured out what we were good at, um, what we enjoyed doing. We really, really enjoyed doing the meat CSA as well, but that was something that we knew we were going to have to dive all the way into and have people out to the farm so they could see how the animals were raised. And when you have a really young family, that was going to be hard to do. Um, so we chose to do table grapes, um, our aronia berries, and then our hascap berries, and then our line of fruit spreads. So it's it's been a long journey. And then we still do the commodity crops. My um, husband is out with the boys right now combining our red clover seed. So um, we're, we're diverse. <laughs> we're <laughs> you definitely got, diverse. You've got a lot of things going on, but they all seem pretty yeah. awesome. So you don't do the meat CSA anymore. And do you still do farmer's markets or do you just sell the jams like wholesale more? We do wholesale and then through our website. Um, when I was pregnant with our second son, my doctor just said, hey, you have to stop doing the markets because summer, it was hot. It was a really hard pregnancy. And she's like, you know, you, you need to stop. And we said, you know, you're probably right. And so <laughs> I miss the market, though. We made so many good friends there. Mm. Um, we had such a good community. And we really learned a lot about um, what customers like and what they didn't like and got a lot of great feedback. And it was just a good community. So I really, really miss it. And someday we might try and go back. But for now, we're kind of taking a break. Yeah. 
I I can totally understand that. When I started the business, I didn't have a child yet. And so mm-hmm. I did every farmer's market that I could ever do. I would do farmer's markets five days a week, and then I would make my sauces at night. And then I would yes. just go back to the market. And I could do that when it was just me and Dirk. But then once we had Adeline, I couldn't do that. And so I went from doing five markets to just doing one. And that's the way we just kind of kept it because it gets hard with your kids. You know, when she was a little baby, I just strap her to my chest and have her there. But then once she could walk and I'm like, I can't keep her. I always call her free range. Like (laughs) she's, she's everywhere. She doesn't just like sit and stay with me. So we had to just like, be like, okay, we can handle this one day a week and that's it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And that's kind of where we were at too, for a long time with our first. And it was, it was fun because, um, I think he remembers going to the markets and kind of being part of that. And he remembers like the setup and stuff, but yeah, there's, there's so much work that goes into it. You don't just, you know, as you know, go there and set up and then sell and then go home. Oh my goodness. No. Yeah. So there's so much work that goes into it. So definitely, um, I encourage everybody to go and support the vendors that are there because they have worked so hard to be there. Yeah. Especially the farmers. That's one thing I always like to talk about is like, so when you, when you had your farm produce there, a lot of times you probably had to get up and start getting ready at maybe 3 a.m. I'm guessing three or four. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. That's what a lot of our farm buddies do. And so when I kind of stroll in at like seven, which still seems early to me, I'm like, I have to get up at seven. But then like my farm neighbor's like, are you kidding? I got up at three because I had to dig up all these potatoes and wash them or whatever it is. Yeah. 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 They work really hard to get that stuff there. So hard. It's it's very early morning. So I just remember thinking, I'm like, oh my goodness, there's so many people that grow great vegetables and fruits in the Willamette Valley. And that's kind of why we were like, you know, let's highlight what we do (laughs) in a jar Mm -hmm. and what they do in a jar. And that it it just fit us a little bit better. And I like being able to kind of promote what they're doing and what we're doing at the same time. Yeah, that's really nice. Uh, I wanted to talk about, you mentioned that your your fruit spreads are low sugar. And then Mm -hmm. I just wanted you to talk a little bit about when somebody hears the word fruit spread, we just want to like distinguish the difference between that and a jam. And so maybe just talk a little bit about that and why you made them low sugar. Yeah, so um, there is an FDA standard where to call something a jam or a jelly, it has to bricks at 65% sugar. And that's, you know, both added sugar and the and the fruit kind of together. So ours has about, depending on on the kind, about 40 to 50% less than that. So we actually didn't meet um, the regulations to call it a jam or a jelly. So that's why it's called um, a fruit spread. And it also has the whole pieces of fruit, which is why it's also not a jelly. Um, so it, there's all kinds of quirkiness that goes into all the food laws and things like that. So it's been really interesting to learn. I'm glad that it's, I'm glad that it's lined out though. So, you know, it, it's taken some education to kind of explain the difference, but yeah. I think people definitely appreciate less sugar and tasting the fruit. Cause that's what I really wanted to do when I started making them is I wanted to highlight the fruit. I didn't really want you to taste very much sugar. Um, it's there, but I wanted the spices and, and everything to make the berry pla- flavors pop and the fruit flavors pop. So that's been, yeah. that's been my goal. 
I think it's important. And if, if Sarah Masoni was here with us today, I would have her talk about what BRICS is and, um, you know, what that means and why we pay attention to that kinds of thing, because some of our listeners might not know that. So if you want to mm-hmm. just say just real quick what BRICS is and why it's important to making your fruit spreads. Bricks, it's essentially the sugar content that's in um, the jam, jelly, or fruit spread. So um, we have a little thing called a refractometer, bricks meter. They're called different things. We use it out in the grapes too, which is kind of funny. But um, you put a little bit of the juice or your product on it, and it reads out um, what the sugar content is. And so it's not just the sugar that like I'm adding to the recipe, but it's also the sugar that's in the fruit. So it's reading all of that. Um, so if that is above 65%, then you're a jam or a jelly. Um, and then if it's below that, you're a fruit spread. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I just wanted to mention it because, you know, I teach a lot of canning classes too. And people always like come to the classes and they're like, I want to make jam, but I don't want to put sugar in it or I want to do low sugar. And so I always have to explain to them that they have to follow the recipe that's there and that there right. are a lot of recipes where um, people have already done it and tested it in a lab and then it's safe. So you don't want to just cut the sugar out of it. But um, I just like to mention that if people are hearing you talk about what you do, not to just um, just know that there's chemistry involved in it and there's things that you're doing to monitor it. So people can't just be like, Oh, I'm just going to take the sugar out and make a fruit spread and it's going to be safe to can. So I just like to mention those right. safety pieces here that there's some science right. and that goes into to, it. Right. And you have to watch, you know, the acidity is important. Um, and then your times on how, you know, how much you heat process stuff. Um, and then the sugar content is important because that's actually sucking some of the moisture out and making it, safer as well. Um, and it makes it so when you open up the product, um, you know, ours doesn't last as long as like a high sugar jam, especially when you open it up. Um, because there's not that sugar content in there, you're just relying on the fruit and the acidity. So yeah, yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because it can be, you can't just do whatever you want. You have to be careful. (laughs) (laughs) I know the, the teacher and, um, safety, you know, person in me is like, I just want to make sure people don't just go do their own thing right now. (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. So yes, make sure you follow safe recipes, follow the processing times, and make sure um, you're adding acid where you need to add acid and um, get like the ball canning books or something that's been tested. Sure. Um, We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want you to talk about all the delicious flavors that you make. So we'll be right back. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace. Committed to serving all Oregonians with the mission to advance the science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production. We are inspired by the creativity of food innovation, new economic opportunities, and new experiences. Because food brings people together. Okay, and we're back And Laura, I wanted you to tell us about all the different flavors that you have going on right now. Yeah. So for our fruit spreads, we have um, six flavors that we sell into stores. Um, We've got our strawberry lavender, blackberry aronia lavender, spiced marionberry, autumn apple, blueberry orange spice, and our raspberry marionberry. And then um, I also do some 
teeny tiny micro batches in the kitchen. And so I've got things like Tayberry Rose that that's not on the website yet, but it will be soon. And then um, like our Aronia Hascap. Um, and I'm working on some other collaborations with like savory spice and things like that. So lots of different micro batches coming up, but those six flavors are the ones that you can find in stores. Do you think that there's a flavor that tells your story best? Yeah, I think probably the autumn apple. And that's because the apples that we use are out of our orchard. And it's, um, it's a mix of Honeycrisp, Spitzenberg's, King's, um, Granny Smith's, um, but they're from our orchard. And I think you really kind of get a taste of our farm. And the apple trees have been here, um, some of them since before Mike's grandpa moved onto the property, and some of them were planted by the family kind of in stages. So I think that's one that's actually really special to me. And I remember cooking it in really, really tiny batches and, you know, the splatter burns and stuff, because apple can be kind of thick and hard to cook. And um, I I think you just, you really get a taste of our farm. And that one's really, really special to me. And we use it all the time. Um, I cook with it all the time and it's really versatile. Um, But my kids also really like it. And so it's, um, it's special. I, I've had that one. I think it was actually the first one I tried because um, you and I had met at the Good Food Awards Marketplace. And I think you had, did you win a Good Food Award for that one? No, not for that one. Oh, okay. I thought it was that one, but maybe it wasn't. I That's the one I got was the Apple one. So maybe I just pushed that onto it because I liked it the best. <laughs> I was like, I, oh, you. I, well, it's, it's just so different. Um, it's not the same as an apple butter. It doesn't have the same spices. Mm-hmm. And my goal with these is I cook them as fast as I can um, to keep the fresh flavor in there. So I don't process it for a really, really long time. Um, and so I think you get a lot of fresh apple flavor there. And we also use Jacobson sea salt and savory spice vanilla and it's really special. Thank you for asking. That's a great question. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, well, I wanted you to, I brought up the Good Food Awards and I know you've won a Good Food Award. So mm-hmm. can you tell us what it was for? Which flavor? Sure, we've actually, we've won six. Oh, wow. We've, um, okay, so in 2016, we won for the Spiced Marionberry. And that was, um, that's actually another special one. That was one of the first, that's the first recipe that I made. And it was from our line of Marion berries out in the orchard. So that's, that's a special one too. Um, and then in 2017, we won for raspberry Marion berry and 2018, we won for uh, blackberry aronia lavender and the aronia half cap. 2019 was spiced Marion berry again. And then 2020 was the aronia half cap. So we've had some repeats in there. Um, but yeah, it's been, that's been an incredible community to be part of. Everybody's really supportive and I've learned a lot through doing the awards and what questions to ask. And, um, yeah, it's been super fun. If we have, um, other makers that are out there listening and they're thinking about entering the good food awards, would you recommend it or would you have any advice for them around that? Yeah, I would definitely recommend it. Um, it makes you think, about the ingredients that you're using a lot more in depth. I know before we entered, I was already thinking about, you know, is what I'm using grown to organic standards and 
what am I putting in things? But it really um, kind of gave me a lot of vetting questions to go for. And then when I made future products, um, it made me ask those same questions. So I feel like um, we really built a line of quality products, partly because of that community. Um, and then they've always been super um, helpful with questions about ingredients and connecting with other makers. Um, we did the mercantile when it was in uh, Portland a few years ago and um, met a lot of really great people through that. I just, I think the most important thing um, that it's given us is a sense of community. Yeah. I think they do a great job of bringing people together. And I, I don't even really think it's so much about the award piece. I mean, I think that's cool right. and it's great and people get to win things and um, all of that. But I do think it, it just brings us together as makers. And I think um, it helps us to interact with the buyers on a personal level, which I think is really yeah. important. And then it does, yeah. it makes people think about what they're doing where I think we always do, but then maybe it's like, Oh, well, is there, um, you know, somewhere better I could get spices from or something like that? Or like, do I really know this person that this thing is coming from? Or is there a way that I can connect with that person and and be supporting their business? I think that's like what it changed for me too, is like, there were some things where I would get them. And even if they were a great quality ingredient, I still didn't know the person they were coming from. So I was like, I think I'll just try to find someone that's here that I can get, you know, this from and that I, I can support their their business instead of just ordering it from some random like wholesale company. So I think that's really important. And I, I like what they do. I agree. Uh, I wanted to ask if you're, do your kids ever wear your medals that you won from the Good Food Awards? <laughs> yeah, I have some pictures of my littlest guy wearing them. I have a picture of our chicken wearing it too. <laughs> but, um, I love our chickens, but um, yeah, our kids have worn them and they think it's kind of cool. And, um, my son has known, uh, we didn't get to go this last year, but the year before that we went to San Francisco and he calls it. So you went to San Cisco <laughs> <laughs> and like had lots of questions about the awards and, you know, the airplane trip and stuff. So yeah, uh, they're, they're cool. into it. I think it's pretty fun. We have this one award that we won for, the, it's called the Scovie Awards. It's like a hot sauce competition, but it's like this obscene big gold medal. And so my daughter just like always wants to wear it. And it reminds nice. me of like those big wrestling belts people used to get. Yes. Yes. <laughs> she loves to wear it around. So that it's become part of our dress up rather than like on the mantle oh, or really something. Sweet. Yeah, that's really sweet. It's cute. <laughs> Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about your kids and your family. So what is it like for you to be a small business owner and also be a mom and, and have the, and you have two, two boys, right? Two boys. Yeah. Yeah. They're um, one is going to be three in October and then the other is going to be eight in January. So what's it like for you to have all these juggle, all these things right now? It's hard. (laughs) (laughs) hard. It's wonderful, but just to be honest, it's hard. And I think every, you know, mom is going to understand that, but, um, that's part of the reason why we started the business as well. And came back here is I was working a job that I really loved and I loved the people, but I knew that I wanted to work with my family and have my kids be directly part of what we were doing. Um, So they're always involved. And, you know, when we first started doing deliveries, um, you know, before COVID and everything, they would go with me on all the deliveries. And it really um, 
has been good for them to see how hard we work and to see where, you know, money and resources come from and to see grandparents and their parents working together and to be out there helping. Um, they love helping. They love being part of things, but no, it's been, it's been really hard. Um, especially with, you know, as, as everybody knows, we're going to be homeschooling this year. And so that's going to be something new. It's going to be, um, juggling and wearing lots of hats. But um, I always wanted my kids and my family to be my first priority and then whatever I did to be second. And this is something that's become such a big part of me, um, making the fruit spreads and the farm and everything, that it's really a big part of my identity. And I'm really proud of that. And I think it's becoming a part of my kids' identity too. They're really proud to see things in stores, you know, and they're really proud to... um, make deliveries when we're able to do that together. And just like yesterday, when we were picking table grapes, you know, they were out with us most of the morning, and they were helping me drive the gator and um, asking questions. And they they love it. And so we've been really, really lucky to be able to do this. This is something that not a lot of people are able to do. I apologize, you probably hear a rooster. Um, (laughs) But um, yeah, they've they've loved it. And we've, we've just felt incredibly lucky, but it's, it's been hard. And especially, um, my oldest, um, is autistic. And so for him, that meant that communication was, was difficult. Um, and for me, it's been very heart opening and it's also been very eye opening to learn how to communicate, maybe not with words so much. And he's become a lot more verbal. So for me, that's easier. He's always known what, he's hearing and what he needs to say and things like that. But I think kind of having a calmer environment and having family around him all the time and kind of learning in a different way has been really positive for him. And he's really just flourished. He's really come a long ways and um, he's doing amazing. And his little brother is just all boy and is doing amazing as well. So anyway, it's been wonderful. <laughs> I think that's really good. And I mean, I, I appreciate you being honest that it is all very hard, but I also, mm-hmm. it, it's, you know, the same for us too. My husband and I both do this as our job. We're here with our family. We did it because we wanted to be together. And so at times like this, where it's extra hard and we have to add in like the schooling piece too, I just tried to remind myself that this is what we set out to do. I mean, we wanted to be together instead of working separately. Um, We wanted to spend time together to be able to raise our daughter ourselves, not have her just be in, you know, daycare or whatever it was. We really wanted to be part of her life. And so I keep, as things become more that, and I, and I sometimes I'm like, Oh, how am I going to do all this? And then I'm like, no, this is really, it'll be good. Like, this is what we wanted. We wanted to be together. We have to just find a good way to do it. And um, you know, we're navigating all of it, but I think that it's, I love seeing you and your family together. Cause it, it reminds me, you know, of, of what we wanted to achieve as well. Cause I think it's a good way to have a food business and have a family and be able to spend time all together working on something really hard. And I think it brings your family together, you know, more than I always, I always say that like our business is kind of like if we had a butcher shop, like it's like the whole family is involved in it. We're all working all the time. It's, we're not trying to 
create 10 butcher shops. We just have this one family business that we want to keep going so that we can keep our family together. And so I think that I kind of see that with you guys too. You have this family farm, the whole family's in on it and that's, that's what you're doing. And then, and then the jam piece is really you doing something that you love and are passionate about. Exactly. Well, and it's been such a good chance for us to um, diversify. And, you know, we're still doing things with Mike's parents, like they're out combining, like I said today. And, but it's been nice to kind of break things up a little bit more. So if one thing maybe doesn't do so well one year, like last year, our table grapes did really, really badly because the weather, it just never got hot enough. And so we didn't have a great crop. But we had other things that we could kind of bring in and and count on. And um, it's really been good to do that. And it also lets us know, you know, because we've got uh, other parts of the family that depend on the farm, too. So there's there's a lot of pressure that goes with it. But there's also a lot of beauty and a lot of joy and um I, we have all learned so much. I have learned so much more than I ever did in school by running this business and by um, being part of the farm. And I think my husband has too. And we're really good partners together. You know, we um, he's a great dad and he does a lot with the boys. And I'm really lucky in that way. We both are. So it's um, it's been a big learning experience, but it's been a really wonderful thing. Yeah. What is your least favorite part? of farming? Um, <laughs> probably, um, oh gosh, my least favorite part, probably when you get to about October and you've had these super, super long days and no days off and everybody's a little tired, maybe a little crabby <laughs> and you're just kind of ready to be done. And it doesn't seem like there's an end in sight, but there is, there is. And we're always ready to start back up when spring comes because winter kind of calms down a little bit, at least on the farming piece. Now that we have the fruit spreads and, you know, the wholesale business, that's kind of a whole other piece. But um, probably that time when you just feel like it's never, you're never going to sleep again mm -hmm. <laughs> and you feel tired and, and you're just kind of needing a break. Um, so it'll push you. Farming definitely pushes you, but it's worth it. <laughs> And what's your favorite part? Definitely being with family and working together um, and being able to grow our own food and know where things come from and to be really self-sufficient. It's, it's been pretty great. Yeah. I think I, I like that part about it. It's, you know, we don't grow the things that we put in our sauces. I wish we did. I'm a terrible farmer. <laughs> we have, we have a, we have a garden but we can't like grow as much stuff as I need for the um, business. But I wish, I mean, I see you and I'm like, that's so cool. I wish we could do it. And then I like have said things like that to Dirk and he's like, you want us to be farmers? Are you kidding? <laughs> like he doesn't even like to go outside. <laughs> he's like an inside well, it was a lot of work. And you know, like for our fruit spreads, we, our Marion Berry is our most popular because everybody likes Marion Berry. Very few people don't. And we do have to source a lot of our Marion berries from another farmer that we know and we trust and we know how he grows things. Um, so we can't grow everything by any means. That's It's so hard to do. But yeah. I love that with both of our businesses, we're able to support other people and their dreams and what they're doing. And it's that community piece. It's yeah. um, 
so much about food and um, food businesses, community and supporting one another. And that's just um, been something that's really special and something that I don't think that you find in a lot of other industries. Yeah, I think you're right. It's, it's so true. I, with that, I wanted to talk about, um, uh, you have something really cool you do on your website, which is that, um, people can donate a jar of jam as an option at their checkout. Can you explain that a little bit and who that goes to? Yeah. So we have, um, a local, uh, Foothills Community Resource Center and they are, um, they do a lot of food boxes and they're kind of switching things around and kind of figuring it out with COVID right now and, and how to do that a little bit better. Um, but they do food boxes to the local community. So Malala, um, Colton and Canby. And so we did a discounted rate and you can add on a jar of jam or a case of jam and we'll take it to the resource center and then they're able to donate it in those food boxes. And basically the cost that you're paying um, covers our cost to make it and then our cost to get it there. So um, it's been really good because people are able to use it, you know, for peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, for cooking um, and to get a really good quality product that maybe um, might not be as accessible to them. So it's been a really good, a really great thing. And we're actually going to be taking in um, another round of donations here in the next few weeks, as soon as things kind of slow down, as far as the farm portion of things go. So um, that's been something that's been really important to us is giving back to the community and making our product accessible. Um, And just being a supportive community member and making our farm something that gives back. And um, anyway, it's, it's a great, it's been a great thing for us. I think that's really nice. I um, used to work, you know, in social services and and would get a lot of stuff from the food bank that people had donated and take them to, you know, the clients that we had. And one thing that I'll say is that a lot of times the things that are donated are really processed foods because they have a really long shelf life. And so it's nice to have something that has a lower sugar content, doesn't have a lot of artificial ingredients being donated to those food centers because I think people really need them. And so I wanted to mention that because I think it's so great that you're doing it and you're giving people access to something they might might not normally have access to. And you're also giving people the opportunity to give, um, you know, by supporting your business, by, um, you know, helping to spread local food to the community so they can do that all through your website, which is really cool. I hadn't seen that as an option on someone's website before. So I I really like that you're doing that. Thank you. I think um, there's another place that's doing it too. And it's funny because we started doing it at the same time, but um, I think Kelly's Jelly does it too, just to a different spot in Portland. Food bank. Yeah. 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 I think it's a cool way for you to support your local um, community, you know, as well and have it be in the center that's right by your farm. It's really nice. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about wholesale. And so the places that you sell to and pe- where people can find your, um, your fruit spreads. Yeah. So um, we are in, we're very, um, Oregon (laughs) right now. So we're not quite regional, but, um, we're starting to spread, excuse the pun, (laughs) but, um, but like we're in all of the new seasons markets in the grocery aisles. And then we're in all of the market of choice stores in the cheese department. So it's been super fun with our product because it can be, uh, just kind of like an everyday item, but it can also be very specialty. And so it goes with cheeses really well. 
Um, and we're in uh, the World Foods, a lot of local Portland stores. Um, but those are our two biggest chains. We're also in a select number of Roths in the Salem area. We're in Life Source. Um, and we're, we're growing. We, we just shipped out um, some orders to Minnesota and to South Carolina. And we've been doing a lot of orders to Texas. And I've been trying to figure out why. And I think it's because it's probably hard to grow berries there because mm-hmm. of the climate. Mm-hmm. And so they don't have access to a lot of that stuff. So that's been a really um, big growth area for us. That's really cool. Well, and yeah. I ordered some of your uh, raspberry Marionberry from Whole Foods. So are you in all the Whole Foods? Yes. Some of them. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. I almost forgot. Yes, that's because it's brand new. Um, We're in all of the Portland locations. So there's eight locations. We just uh, finished up a sale with them too. So um, all of the Portland locations and I'm delivering direct to all of them. And so far, it's been working out really well. It's a big um, process to get into Whole Foods. And you know, they vet you really hard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But we did it. And so that's That's great. That's a big, um, big on our checklist. We've been celebrating that a lot. So thank you for reminding me. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's great for me. I get a lot of things delivered because I take groceries to my parents. And so I wow. got food delivered from Whole Foods and I saw that your stuff was on there. So I ordered it and I wanted to make sure to tell people how easy it was to get it because I didn't even thank have to leave you. the house. <laughs> yes. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, well, we're almost running out of time. So I wanted to do two last things before we go. So one is that we want to send people to you directly. So, um, right now the best way to get your product is probably through your website. I'm guessing. Yeah, we ship, um, all over and shipping days are Tuesdays and our website is, um, www.mounthopefarmsoregon.com. Dot com and if you google mount hope farms oregon it'll pop up first thing too perfect and i wanted to mention that you have um tiered shipping which is cool so if people um order over a certain amount their shipping is free right is it sixty dollars yeah it's sixty dollars and we might have to look at raising our shipping just a little bit because i noticed the usps rates i mean they have to go up every once in a while um but we try to make it as reasonable and as accessible as possible. Our product is tricky because it's so heavy mm-hmm. and it takes Same. so much hand packing. And um, like I got one package back the other day and it was so funny because the box looked perfect and I opened it up and the jars were all like, some of them were dented, but like it was so well packed. I'm like, how did this even happen? So anyway, um, that almost never happens, but you have to pack it really well. It takes a long time and it's just been super interesting. It's a big learning curve. <laughs> yeah, shipping stuff. And, you know, I do think right now, especially shipping prices are going up and it's hard on us small businesses. So as a shopper, if you're listening out there, just keep that in mind that a lot of times we're actually charging less than what it costs us to ship. But people get so used to big companies that do a lot of free shipping and it's really hard for us to do, but we also want to offer it. So the way that we usually can do it, we kind of do the same thing that if people order a certain amount, their shipping is free um, because then it works out for us. But, um, but I always encourage shoppers to remember that usually it just means that we're paying for your shipping. (laughs) Right. Well, and it usually when you have like a rate like that, people want to order more than like one jar. And so, um, 
it works out in the end. And it's been a really um, thriving part of our business this year, as I know a lot of people, because when people couldn't get into stores or leave home, they were ordering stuff or sending gifts to people. I've had a lot of people that have ordered for um, like retirement and care facilities Mm -hmm. and sending people uh, to people that can't get out or are shut in or, you know, whatever. And it's been really cool because, um, we've gotten a lot of notes back saying, you know, it was just really nice to get something fresh and, and fun. And, you know, we always hand write notes and, um, people have enjoyed that. So that's been a big joyful part of the process to me. That's great. I love it. Um, my final question for you is, do you have any advice for people that are interested in starting a new business? Gosh, um, I would say, you know, definitely do what you're passionate about, but also um, from a business standpoint, make sure you're pricing things to where it's going to cover your costs and it's going to make it worth it. And so when you're working really hard, you're not working for free. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we went through, you know, when we were doing farmer's markets, we um, were kind of figuring out pricing and I thought I had it dialed in and I was being really careful. And then I'm like, oh, wait when you go to a store, you know, they're going to take this much and we still, we have to make money in order to do this. And so, um, we had to kind of adjust a little bit. So that's been, um, I'm a really good creator, but learning the business piece of it has been interesting. And I think that's the case for a lot of people that get into food businesses. I love the creative process. I love cooking and I love making the thing, but then the business piece, that's where my husband has really come in and really been helpful, like with the numbers and and figuring things out. So I guess maybe more than financially get help if you need it, like ask for business help, um, especially if you're a creative and you need some balance in that area, because I did. <laughs> I think that's great advice. And I think it's all so true. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree 100%. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm glad that you can be on the show. I hope people connect with you and um, find your product. And you can find it in the cheese aisle of Market of Choice. So everyone can go there and find it. So thanks, Laura, for joining us today. Thank you. It's been so fun. I love listening to you both. And um, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's, it's great. Today. Thanks for listening. Yeah. <laughs> Market of Choice is Oregon's largest independent family-owned grocery store. With 10 stores in Oregon, it's all about choice. We focus on having a wide selection of the finest and freshest conventional, natural, organic, local, and health-conscious products. We have more than 1,300 teammates, including real, authentic chefs, bakers, butchers, cheesemongers, florists, and more. We all strive to create an authentic, relaxing, and enjoyable shopping experience with our customers and truly care about the communities where our teammates and our customers live and work. To find the Market of Choice near as you, visit our website at www.marketofchoice.com. At Market of Choice, we buy local, so you can too. And you can find our guest products at your local Market of Choice. Thank you. We record Masoni and Marshall every week. Listen Friday at 9 a.m. at startupradionetwork.com or listen leisurely on iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you to our audio engineer, Lon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you would like to be a guest on the show, submit those or questions or food news to our Instagram, Masoni and Marshall, and we will be back next week. Bye, everybody. Committed to serving Oregonians with the mission of advancing science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production.
Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are inspired by the creativity of new food development. We strive to find new flavors, new economic opportunities, new experiences, and honor diversity. We are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace because good food brings people together. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.